You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hi everyone, Annie here for Showreel. Nice to have you listening. Today we're going to the 2019-2020 fires. You might think going from one traumatic experience to another in the midst of a COVID lockdown, but Inferno Without Builders actually takes us on a fascinating exploration of cultural burning and Indigenous land management techniques, which brings us to the brink of a possible future away from Australia's dominant colonial mindset. I was lucky enough to chat with Sarah Morgan, who was the editor-camera operator, the producer Laura Sivis, and Sadrine Shirure, who was the director, producer, co-writer from Amphitron Productions, who made Inferno Without Borders, just as they hope the film will premiere at the upcoming Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, September the 11th at Cinema Nova, COVID willing. This is what they had to say. Inferno Without Borders. Uh, how did this project start? Because you seem to be filming it in 2020. So uh, it was obviously yeah. just very recent. Yeah. The fires were very recent. Yep, I might kick off with that one. Um, we were actually getting ready to shoot another film um, with a, a French Pacific broadcaster. And um, essentially, as the fire crisis was unfolding, um, they approached us and said that they were interested to have a documentary about the Australian bushfires and would we be interested in doing that. It was a a little bit chaotic because it was very (laughs) short notice um, and we didn't have the contracts yet. We didn't have, weren't able to go out and get um, financing from the funding bodies. Then there were the practicalities of, you know, was it safe? Was it reasonable to go anywhere where the fires were? You know, the hotspots of, you know, where it was dangerous. And then there was also kind of those moral questions of, you know, should we be making a documentary when so many people were in the midst of suffering and losing their homes, their businesses and their loved ones? Um, Mm. And then, you know, as time unfolded, the, the story started to sort of get a focus and, um, you know, then it was really interesting to see that the rest of the world was busy looking at what was happening in Australia. I mean, we had international bushfire fighters, you know, coming and helping. Um, as Australians, I think so many people have international relatives and so they were all, you know, obviously focusing on Australia and in, in Europe, you know, Australia was all over the news from obviously because of the the, the, the catastrophe, but also in terms of um, big questions around climate change. And, you know, essentially we realised that we had an international audience for this film, but it wasn't going to be a film about 
only the devastation and the suffering and the animals and things like that. We actually wanted to look a little bit deeper um, and, you know, really looking into what all the parties that were involved with, you know, bush, fire man- bush management, fire uh, management and control and all that sort of stuff. And, I mean, Sandrine will talk a little bit more to those creative mm. directions and how the story came together, yeah. The structure of the film itself is very interesting. As the co-writer of these particular films, Sandra, you must have uh, decided on how you're going to pattern it and why you began to focus much more precisely on cultural burning. Yes, but I, it's been, uh, you know, uh, an organic process, uh, this, uh, this story, because we, um, the French audience wanted something different from anybody else. And in regard of finding the story, I, I start to investigate, make some research. First of all, I thought about oh, maybe we could use the French firefighters will come and visit Australia and follow them. And from there, we will get the story. However, it didn't happen. They didn't stay long enough. That was off. And then what I did, I started to, to be involved and go on the street and talk to the people. And I went to the Black Lives Matter protest. And that's where, where everything really starts. And from there... I heard a victim from Cobago. I met some Aboriginal people who contesting about, you know, what's happening and the uh, climate change. Why is that happening? Why we have all these bushfires? And that's where I dig it up a little bit more. And I, a friend of mine talked to me about this amazing uh, Aboriginal uh, person, which is Victor, Victor Stephenson. And I started to have a look at this Q&A and then all the information he was providing about that. And I said, I think there is something to dig it up about it. And that's where I proposed um, um, to the French broadcasters and look, I think there is a story here to tell, not only for you guys, but for the Australian audience. Uh, we we need more information about the cool burning and then the, um, what is about the back burning, what is about the hazard prediction fire burning. There was so much confusion about everything. So we need a clarity. And um, that's where it all starts. And it's been amazing. It's been stressful, hectic, but amazing. Uh, <laughs> because well, we really have short time to provide this story. That's the point. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the uh, the film company in a sense that it's uh, t- it's ties with uh, Italian as well as French broadcasters? So you actually have a niche, don't you, in a sense? Yeah, we do. We all have a different background. Sophie is not here, but she's from um, uh, Belgium. Uh, Laura has some, uh, she's Australian, but her uh, parents are Italian. And I'm French. My background is French. Been living here for 21 years. Sarah is, her background is English, uh, but she she grew up here in Australia. I mean, we all have this. And then not only, uh, we also have our DOP, fabulous DOP, Tom Truong. Uh, his background is Vietnamese Chinese but grew up in Australia, and we have our composer, yes, yeah, sound designer, who is, uh, his background is Indian, uh, but Australian Indian, and grew up in Darwin. 
Um, so we all have a different background, different story, and we all reunite together to create this story. Which is a fantastic uh, uh, way of, one, I suppose, uh, getting production funds uh, because it broadens the pool. I suppose, Laura, you could speak to No, that. We, we didn't have time to go for production funding no. at all. We, were, we ri- literally, you know, it was proposed to us just before Christmas and the team was shooting in January. Um, yeah. Really hit the ground running. There was yeah. no time to apply for funding or anything. Um, so... It was really a case of go out and shoot and, you know, get the material, find the story, find out even, you know, who to who to speak to, who to interview it was all very, you know, it was an organic process. I mean, Sandrine will tell you how she found the people to, <laughs> to interview her. quite a journey. Yeah, yeah. no, it was Tell me about the people because they're amazing. They're a great collection of people. It, there's a lot of goodwill obviously, in the uh, the people that you interview. But it's fascinating to inter- interleave the um, fire services person who feels yes. that they know exactly what's going on and uh, the Western conceptualisation of, of um, order, uh, yes. which is completely uh, opposite, really, to... Oh, the the lovely uh, description of the man who talks about uh, what's your flyer plan? It's here on the ground here in this place, you know, rather mm. not on a bit of paper. Exactly right. Um, this this is incredible because there is a lot of people who are we interview who are not part of the film. Unfortunately, we couldn't put everyone, but they've been part of this film and contribute enormously to the networking of people we did have at the end. But most of the people we had was um, a co- coming from one connection to another, to another. And oh, most of the time, yes. And most of the time, we we change our plan on the way. Uh, so it start with the bigger cancel. It's 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 become it start here because I was so much wanting to talk to Victor Stephenson. Then I said, how can I reach this man? And I start with the bigger cancel, and I talk with Glenn Wilcox, who said to me, "Oh, he's too busy right now, but I can put you on with other members of the fire stick audience who can talk to you. And then it's always start that way. And I also post something on the Facebook uh, help. I need some people <laughs> and everyone, every single person respond to the help and everyone wanted to talk. So um, this uh, story became a platform uh, uh, to give a voice to everyone who wanted to talk. So we've been quite flexible in that sense. In I think in, it was a bit harder. Sorry to interrupt. I think it was a bit harder yeah. to get people from the fire department. Do you remember? Because I remember now that uh, we only yeah. got that um, Stuart because Sophie knew him through somebody else. Yes. So I think the actual official fire department were a lot more reluctant to talk well, about it because yeah it, yeah but it's also a, a press thing it's like they, they they're very strict with their media and what they say and who says it and it just so happened that one of Sophie's friends was the media guy wasn't he for that particular fire station so he mm. was the one that was allowed to talk and he was he was great hi um, my name's Maya Newell and I made a film called Gaby Baby and recently a film called In My Blood It Runs you're listening to 3CR Community Radio you're with Annie on Showreel, and today we are speaking with Sarah Smarja, 
Laura Sivis and Sadrine Sharure about their film Inferno Without Borders due to screen at the Nova Carlton on September the 11th as part of MDFF. Yeah. The issues that you were able to bring out are absolutely fascinating regarding um, Indigenous First Nations peoples' connection to land and leads to a whole lot of questions about the uh, ideological standpoint of power within our country in the face of such a deluge of fire. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah. I think uh, somebody the interviewee that I found really powerful talking about that was Chelsea. Mm. Um, she really did it. She's so intelligent and articulate and educated and in in lots of different fields and different ways, and she she really didn't hold back at all. Um, yeah. And, as you know, she really made a point of saying that it's colonisation. Colonisation is the problem, you know. And that was when we were doing the edit. That was something that I really felt that we really felt had to be in there. We had to make that we had to make that statement. You know, we had to allow her to for that to have some strength to it, you know, and to have not just forget it or cut that bit out. Or, you know, that was a really strong statement that needed to be said, I think. And I thought she was she was a really good person to talk about that. I found her very interesting. And I love the uh, the application to uh, the practical nature of Australians because Australians do have, even though people like to think that Australians don't have a cultural identity, uh, they do. And one of them that's fascinating, which you used really well, which was the man who did cultural burning standing beside the line that showed one side that did had scorched earth and on the yeah. other side. That was a great piece of filming. Good, oh, pe- uh, good work. Good work. <laughs> I'm glad you could see it because that day was not a very good day. It was quite cloudy and we wanted to have a maximum uh, daylight to, to, to capture this. Uh, Sarah was on the, she was a camera operator as well of uh, Tom. So we, we were all working hard to make sure that that been seen. Um, and the person who was talking is one of the elders of a fire stick alliance. He, he was a, uh, very articulate and, and very, uh, uh, a lot of things we ignore. The observation of uh, the nature, mother nature, and how they pick one tree, which has become, you know, uh, the mother blood, what they say, the mother blood tree. This is the one who's talking to us, and this is how we know where to burn. And this is a proof. We listen to this tree, and this is what happened. You see where we burn. Everything is green, and where uh, so what he called the bad burn and then the good burn. Um, it is it, so abuse is there in your eyes. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's great that you explain cultural burning. I've heard it explained a couple of times, Pip, but often people just uh, that's one of the strengths of your film. You actually explain the process, or you get your people explain it. And I was also really captivated by the uh, couple whose farm didn't uh, or place didn't burn Uh, I was really interested in the way the young woman said um we didn't (laughs) receive fire the way her language it was very interesting wasn't it 
Yeah, that was Leon, Leon and Gavin. Um, they uh, they live in Morton, and she's been part, Leon especially, uh, part of the um, uh, workshop organised by the Fire Aliens, which are mostly managed by the UN community, Aboriginal community, and they they some of them are mostly volunteering and um, they do workshop to some places to show how it works. So she volunteered and she said, why don't you come to my place and show us how it works? Thanks God she did that because uh, she had a big piece of land and a home and everything around her were completely burned except their home and their land where they have practiced uh, the cultural burning. So that was very interesting, and she's completely fond of them and believe in them and then um, recommend to all the community around her to proceed and to do, to take responsibility and trust uh, the process of her cultural burning. It's a fascinating film. I did see, uh, I've watched several films that are a part of the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival which have focused on the fires. Um, they've all been very different. Um, and one of them in particular was about was a very good film feature about um, from the point of view of a particular community that uh, experienced the fire, right? And so it has a lot of footage of actual the day, the days mm. that their place got burned. I felt traumatised, <laughs> to tell you the truth. <laughs> and so I was yeah. a little bit well, relieved. It is traumatic. Yeah. I mean, I, I live on the bush and I've had fires on my back doorstep, literally. And during the, the that particular set of fires, strangely enough, our bushland was the only bushland, I think, in, around you know, in New South Wales that didn't burn. But it, it is, even with a back burn, it's, it's scary. Um, mm. You have the fire that's right there. It's on your back doorstep. The house is full of smoke. There's very little you can do to actually block it out. And that's mm. a back burn. You know, that's a controlled mm. fire. To have one of those mm. big infernos coming right at you um, mm. would just be horrendous. I, so what I was really going to say was that your film, uh, it, it's not that it, it uh, sidesteps the actual traumatic nature of the process of fire. It's a far more positive uh, approach to the whole subject, in a sense, the way people are grappling with uh, methods to actually integrate with the country that we actually live on. Yes. I think that's like probably came from the fact that Sandrine decided to take the 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 root the story of the indigenous land practices and the burning the cultural burning because that that's the way they see it they see you know there is a solution I mean and not to say that they feel positive like especially Uncle Nook was extremely traumatized because he lives um, near the Jarvis Bay area like down there where it's completely. Oh, it was awful it was really it was horrible to see it and like for him to drive through he has to drive past that bush uh every day and he did before and he loves you know he loves the land and he loves the bush and he you know that's what he his his life and hmm. then now he sees it all dead so I just really felt for him as well particularly how traumatic that must be even if his house didn't burn you know for him the land is his home as well you know it's his you know, so that was horrible. But like, I think that they, the whole point of the film was, yeah, to say, you know, it is awful, but let's not dwell on the, um, on how horrible these moments were, but let's talk about what could be done 
what should have been done or what, what could be done or at least integrated more strongly you know and, and for people to listen to and and it's kind of an opportunity for us to to put that out a little bit in the open or to help them have more of a voice you know and it was kind of more of an opportunity to to talk about something that could be a potential solution here's a very fascinating fellow uh he's um I loved it when he said um, about the people in the council who sit in their lean-back chairs. I don't think they could name six uh, local songbird songs. Yeah, that was Uncle Tom, wasn't it? That, <laughs> that was Tom. Uncle Tom, the the angry guy, the angry guy. He was <laughs> yeah. really angry uh, about that, and he was quite right. Um, the the bureaucracy of um, uh, just asking to have the culture of burning at home is is insane and that what he was saying they don't know what they're talking about they just stick the boxes and they assume this is um applicable or not they never came on the location they never come with me on my land they never see the bird i see and they don't even know what's the name of that bird but they know already what to do with the fire management so it it, it was quite straight to the point it was really funny we we would this is my second character that i love in the film uh because he's really authentic he is he could be he he re, i think he represent mr everyone who feel that way um but he's got the knowledge because of his background as aboriginal and he didn't say i don't need any bureaucracy to tell me what to do because i know how to manage my land um so, and it's true, and we all need to be educated with that. And it has to be led by the Aboriginal people. We have to let them do and, and follow them. Um, and that's exactly what's, uh, what he's trying to say. Let, let me show you. Don't show me, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it comes across and it's extre- extremely useful to, uh, your film is very useful. And I was wondering, what was the reception uh, overseas? Oh, uh, amazing reception. I mean, uh, it's interesting because uh, from the French uh, friends who've seen it and, you know, I, I share with them and then say, what do you think? And then they said, my God, I have no idea. Um, no idea because Australia is perceived as very, being very protective with the environment, with, um, it's with the animal, it's a wildlife. That's the way, uh, from that side, everybody see Australia, right? But nobody thought about the, the, um, uh, the, the danger with the fire because the, the country need the fire uh, to cool the fire, right? But nobody have any idea how it works. Nobody knew about the traditional fires. So um, from an outside point of view, everybody were amazed uh, to learn all of that. But what amazed me even more is to see that the Australian audience respond as well the same way. And say, hey, yeah, there, there's a certain, I didn't know that. Ignorance. Yeah, certain ignorance. I mean, for those of us who have grown up within the country, I mean, unless we're really heavily involved with fire management 
or you know in indigenous communities i think that the wider population is largely ignorant they just don't know um and just looking out more broadly on the international scale um so many of our trees our eucalyptus trees have been exported to california to south africa and mm. now we're seeing similar kinds of fire problems over there because they don't have the knowledge of how to manage eucalyptus trees. Well, the, the bigger issue is really that uh, in these countries that do suffer from heat and they've got literally these trees that are ready to go off um, because they're not being managed, they don't have the wisdom, the knowledge of, of how to manage them um, at all. It's not even part of their culture in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I came away with a great deal of interest in the cold burn, the difference between a cold burn uh, and also the uh, business about that fantastic explanation of uh, uh, the, uh, the mid-range uh, shrubs that uh, then cause um, uh, canopy fires. That is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I love uh, Tassin, in a mostly Tassin Bana, who run the Walkabout Park, Wild mm. Park Animal. Uh, she mentioned that. They all mention it. They, mm. Dan Morgan is certainly the best one to talk about it. But um, she's also mentioned uh, about it and she explained how she could save her wild animal in the park by using this method in combination of the water bombing. So they, they use a combination of both, which was quite new and creative. They have to invent and create something new to save this animal right now. And it works. Uh, they were spared by the fire uh, around them. Um, so that is, we, we can't tell too much. People have to see the film to learn about it, but... <laughs> Well, it's um, worth seeing. I think it's really worth seeing. <laughs> without borders. That's it for Showreel this week. Keep safe and talk next week with more from Australian Film. It's a great privilege and an honour to be here to um, celebrate the legacy of this old man. We always felt... He was a comrade in our camp. So, um, <clears throat> I feel it's a celebration. So if you want to sing along to this, um, you will not be removed by security. Gather round people, I'll tell you a story, an eight year long story of power and pride. British Lord Vesty and Vincent Lingari were opposite men on opposite sides. Vesty was fat, honey and muscle. Beef was his business, broad was his door. Vincent was lean, spoke very little, he had no bank balance. Our dirt was his floor From little things, big things grow From little things, big things grow The Ringy were working 
nothing but rations But once they had gathered the wealth of the land Daily the pressure got tighter and tighter The ringe it inside they must make a stand They picked up their swags, started off walking That what he did, sat himself down Now it don't sound like much Sure got tongues talking, back at the homestead Then in the town From little things, big things grow Come here from little things, big things grow I'll double your wages Seven quid a week you have in your hand Vincent said, uh-uh, we're not talking about wages We're staying right here till we get our land Bestie man rolled, bestie man thundered You don't stand a chance of a cinder in snow It said if we fall, others are rising from Little things, big things grow From little things, big things grow Then Vincent Ligari boarded an aeroplane And landed in Sydney, great big city of lights And daily he went round, softly speaking his story to all kinds of men from more walks of life Vincent sat down let Greek politicians this affair they told him it's a matter of state let's sort it out your people are hungry Vincent said no thanks we don't have to wait from little things Big things grow from little things, big things grow from little things, big things grow from little things, big things grow. Then Vincent Lignari returned in an airplane back to his country. Once more to sit down He told his people Let the stars keep on turning We got friends in the south In the cities and towns Eight years went by Eight long years away One day a tall stranger Peed in the land He came with lawyers Came with great ceremony through Vincent's fingers or that handful of sand From new things, big things grow From new things, big things grow From new things, big things grow
of Vincent Lignari But this is the story of something much more How power and privilege not move people to know where they stand They stand in their law From new things, big things grow From new things, big things grow From little things, big things grow. Our spirit walks with you. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.